Welcome to the Hunt Back Country podcast. This is episode number 396. And today we're just telling a very cool hunting story. Our guest is the listener of the podcast. His name is Nick, and he is from Alberta, Canada. And he drew a unique sheep tag this past year. And we talked to him after the hunt. This conversation actually took place uh, over the winter after the hunt. It's been a few months. So I know it's spring right now as this is released, but the context of this conversation and certainly the context of this hunt is a late, cold, snowy, difficult hunt, a cool adventure, a special tag. And in addition to the just the uniqueness of the adventure and hearing all about it, there's definitely some takeaways that you can learn from, especially if in the future you will be hunting in a cold or snowy environment as well. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation with Nick. You know, his hunt that he's talking about is something that I will never do, but just something that was very, very cool to hear about and still something that I took away some lessons from. So I hope you do as well. Before we dive into the show, I just want to remind you guys, if you can leave a rating or review in your podcast app, that truly does help us tremendously. We don't do any advertising or anything like that. So this show is supported and really just grows by you guys leaving those ratings, leaving those reviews, or telling a friend as well. So thank you for doing that. Right now, though, let's dive into this conversation with Nick. Nick, welcome to the Hunt Back Country podcast. I am super excited to chat with you today about a hunt you had this fall. Before we get into that hunt and even what that hunt was, go ahead and give listeners like a quick introduction just so they have some background and context for who you are. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, my name's Nick. I live up in northern Alberta. Um, grew up hunting, fishing, and uh, I've been a guide outfitter for the last 15 years here. Um, an avid sheep hunter. Don't do it as much as I'd like to, but um, try and get in the mountains when I can and, and uh, chase sheep. Uh, yeah, I just was lucky enough to draw a, a coveted archery bighorn tag this fall. Oh, nice. What does that process look like? I think you said you'd been entering for like 15 years as a resident. Is there a point system? Is it luck of the draw every year? What does that even look like? Uh, this, most of our areas for any uh, draw tags in Alberta for any species is, is a point system. Um, every year you apply, um, you gain a point if you don't draw it. Um, you can gain a point without being put in the pool. We call it 999. So you, you pick the draw you want, but you triple nine it and it just gives adds you a point, but doesn't put you in the pool for that year. Um, this particular, in most sheep areas, if you didn't start applying for them when you were young, you, your chances of drawing are, are slim. So <laughs> I was, I applied, I applied in a couple, a different area, another trophy area, one of the best trophy areas in Alberta and in the world for bighorns. And it was a rifle area and it was just, I'd been in there a few times and it just wasn't for me. And I wanted, I wanted to kill one with my bow. So I, I switched, you know, 15, 16 years ago and started applying for this draw. And, uh, I think if I can't remember, it was 15 or 16 years to draw it this, but I 
could have drawn it, I think, at about 14. But 2020 with COVID, um, it just wasn't wasn't doable. 2021, uh, my wife and I uh, got married. So this spring, when the draw came out, you know, my wife and I sat down and said, you know, I, I said, I'm throwing points away. So I need to draw, try and draw this sooner than later so I can, you know, possibly draw it again in my lifetime. And, uh, but I, you know, I needed her blessing to, to commit the time to it. And, uh, she's, uh, an incredible woman and, and, uh, gave me that blessing. And yeah, so I put in for it and, and drew it. So. I love you mentioned like you, I want to draw this now because I want to draw it again in another 15 years. Like you haven't even done it yet. And you're already like, yeah, I got to make this happen again, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I, I pulled up the statistics yesterday and the draw results and, and just to kind of have an idea till I give you correct numbers in the last 10 years in this zone, they give out 25 archery tags in this zone a year for residents. And then the outfitters, there's two outfitters that each hold four permits. So, but the, the last 10 years, the, the resident success rate has been 4.1 rams a year out of those 25 tags. So that equates to about 16% success rate for, for archery hunters in this zone over the last 10 years combined. So it's, it's, there's, you know, there's a significant number of, of tags given out, but the success rates aren't super high. Are, is it the, the lack of animals? Are they spread out over uh, some rough country? How's that look? Um, it's definitely not lack of animals and it's definitely not lack of legal rams. Um, mm -hmm. It's more terrain. And I think a lot of these guys, like you look at the, the, the priority points and, and some of the guys I bumped into are, are guys that have drawn it for the second time in their life. And they're, you know, they're, they're mid to late sixties. They just don't have the, the endurance and the, and the stamina to maybe get where they need to be on a daily basis. And there's a lot of guys, and I knew this going into it, that draw the tag and think it's just going to be drive there, see a ram from their pickup truck, and put a stock on it, kill it. And you see them along the highway, you know, driving, to and from this area you see these guys that are you know they're just parked along the road and, and looking at sheep and seeing if there's a way that they'll they'll uh these sheep might slip up and and go out of the 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 corridor along the highway where they can be hunted but that uh wasn't for me i mm. i the sheep hunt for me is is putting in the work and getting in the back country as far as you can so yeah, you mentioned legal rams. What is legal for this specific hunt? This this zone is four fifths, or th you know, some places it's three quarters. We call it three quarters, but a four fifths curl is is a legal ram in this zone. Okay, cool. What's your? You mentioned you know loving to hunt sheep, not getting out as much as you'd hope. What is your personal history of sheep hunting? Um, I started uh, my grandparents friends well, friends of our family i guess they're our friends too but they they bought an area in northwestern bc right against the yukon border years ago and i started going up there with them in the summers helping you know 
fix camps and cut trails and and just I mean fell in love with with the country up there and they had doll sheep in their area so I when I my grade 12 year of high school I had enough credits and enough core courses that I only needed half to take half the year so I took the first half of the year off um, in August I jumped in my old car at 16 years old and and uh, headed for for uh, uh, northwestern BC and it's a 2500 kilometer drive so I don't know what that would be but you know 1400 miles or something and uh, yeah I spent the fall up there um, helping I wasn't guiding but I was uh, um, more of a guide in training you know packer you know I was on a few goat hunts and sheep hunts and that kind of and you know got flown into the backcountry with float planes and super cubs and just that kind of lit the fire so to speak um then here in alberta we're fortunate enough actually we can hunt bighorn sheep on a yearly basis with an over-the-counter tag um there's a ton of areas a ton of country and a lot of rams killed every year on these tags so uh, me and some friends started hunting some of these open zones with over-counter tags um in my early 20s and they say you know the year you start sheep hunting is the year your the ram you'll kill is born and that's you know i, I was maybe a little ahead of that curve I, mean, I think it took a i was on my fifth season when i killed my first big horn with the rifle here in alberta um you know hooked up with some guys that uh, uh are still friends today and and great hunters and and uh yeah we didn't have no special gear we just had whatever we had and made it work and and uh yeah the, the learning curve was steep but eventually we got it done that's cool man so this specific hunt you drew um you went on this hunt in november is that how was that is that the only season was was this tag for these zones structured where there's different sections you know throughout the fall of seasons what does that look like in terms of hunt dates um this zone is actually open to a general tag for the month from August 25th till October 31st. It can be hunted. It's art. It's, it's, it's specifically archery only, but it can be hunted on it with a general tag for a little over two months. Um, but the draw tag is specifically November. Um, there's 25 given out and it's hunt to rut from my research and, and knowledge there's there is the odd ram killed with the bow in that general season, but most of these sheep are are in their summer range, which is into the national park, which is uh, not far away. But uh, so these this area isn't they don't start filtering up into this area till till mid fall, late fall, and then it's kind of their their rutting and wintering grounds. So there is the odd ram taken out of there, but the success rates are extremely low from from my knowledge. So the 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 draw gives you the the month of November and the rut, which is pretty neat to do. Well, take us into it, man. I know that uh, you and I had an email exchange in September, and you're out scouting, and then you sent me essentially a recap after the hunt, and uh, 
some highlights of the story, which I'm excited to hear about it. But yeah, I mean, pick it up everything from scouting to, you know, maybe where your head was at headed into the start of the hunt and begin to tell the story. Sure. Yeah. Once, you know, we, I drew the tag, you know, then everything kind of got a little bit more real. So, you know, I'm, I'm a, an active guy. I'm in the gym, you know, as much as possible, you know, four or five days a week if I can. And, um, so started my, you know, changing my workouts and stuff to more sheet preparation. And, and then the gym that I go to, uh, shut down the building it was in, got sold. So it was for the entire duration of, of prepping for sheep. I, I had no gym. So I you know, was doing at home stuff, just running and, and, you know, weighted backpacking. And, and uh, so I had a, I had a backpack at home and a backpack at the fishing lodge. So when I was up there, uh, you know, I was training as much as I can. And, and I think it was a blessing that the, the gym closed. I more concentrated on cardio and, and the weighted backpack stuff and got rid got out of the weights. And, and I think it, it boded well for me for the, for the uh, 20 days or so that I spent in the mountains. I think it uh, sure helped, but, um, so yeah, I was just doing that all summer, um, back and forth at the fishing lodge. And then we did our, just before our moose clients came, we, uh, I, I took three days and that I had open camps were ready. So I, I jumped in the truck. It's about a five hour drive from home. Um, I had talked to a few people as you guys know, sheep hunters getting information on sheep areas is, is, uh, pretty uh, tough to do and then what you do get you got to take with a grain of salt because you know <laughs> guys aren't just going to give up anything but I wasn't asking you know for um, uh, an x on a map I kind of knew where I wanted to go from e-scouting but you know I was asking some of these guys that I knew hunted this area before uh, you know you know sheep behavior in the rut and, and you know what to expect as far as you know if I botch a stock am I going to blow these sheep out of here for you know, for the duration of my hunt or if, you know, they don't go far, but I, my, my information was limited. So I headed down kind of with a rough idea where I wanted to go, uh, park the truck. I wanted to check out this one drainage, um, through my pack on by myself. And it's about a nine mile or so eight and a half to nine miles in about halfway in, I ran out of water. It was hot there was no water anywhere um so i'd filled up where i'd last found water and finished the hike and got to the end of the the drainage found sheep found i think it was 25 to 30 lambs and ewes and there was a few banana rams and one more mature ram not legal but you know that's six seven year old range um so i was excited seeing sheep that you know early on in the season they're already there um but i had no water so i really couldn't stay without any water so i hiked back out that day um took about four hours to hike in four and a half hours and uh so i hiked out uh the next day i hiked a couple other some shorter uh drainages and yeah they just weren't areas that would ever hold sheep and you know quite high traffic hiking areas for 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 hikers so you know found some places i knew i wouldn't go back to 
Um, but overall, I went home from, I think I was there for three days. Um, pretty much, you know, was going to try and concentrate my time on that first drainage. It's as far in the zone as you could get. Held sheep. I knew it would, you know, there'd be less hunters. I knew there was an outfitter that that camped up there and, and had hunters in there, but I figured we could work around that. Um, went home. We did our moose hunts. Um, finished getting the fishing lodge and all our camps put away for the winter. And I had a couple of days right at the end of October. So I headed back down and I went straight back and went up that drainage again. This time I found just shy of 40 lambs and ewes, but not a ram to be seen. Um, but had snow to melt for water. So that was um, helpful. And then I met two gentlemen as I was packing up my camp to head out. Um, I met two guys that were in there trying to see if there was a, you know, a ram that had moved in, you know, before the November rut hit. And both these guys had drawn the tag previously for the November tag, um, were successful. And so they were hiking out at the same time. So I hiked out the three hours or so with them. And honestly, I learned more and got more good intel from them in that three hours than, than I had gotten the entire, you know, few months leading up to it. Um, so yeah, but back home and I think it was no, and kind of to back up here, I, when I drew the tag, you know, I knew I'd want somebody to come with me, but, um, you know, everybody's got careers, everybody's got, you know, busy lives and, you know, not a lot of guys are going to be like, yeah, let's go spend a week and, you know, 30 below temperatures and, and, hike up and down <laughs> mountains so um but my brother-in-laws are both um you know there's cowboys they come they uh, they're cattle ranchers they own a, a heavy duty mechanic business and you know these guys are they're hunting fools so i uh my the younger one clay he he guides the last two seasons has guided moose hunters for us and i wasn't sure if he could he could wrangle enough time off you know, after coming up and guiding moose hunter. So I figured I'll, uh, I'll, uh, ask her older brother, Cody. So I texted him and I said, Hey, I drew this tag. Um, I'm gonna, I got two, two week slots, you know, one week in early November and one week in later November that I can be down there. And would you want to come? He's like, what dates? So I sent him the dates. He's like, yeah, I'm in. Like there was no, no hesitation, no nothing. And, you know, this was early on right before I, right after I drew the tag. So he, you know, he got to training and, and was just pumped to come. And so November 7th, I believe it was, um, I drove to his place. He, he lives kind of in between me and where the, the zone that we hunt sheep in. So I got to his place late the seventh. We made an explosion of gear in his kitchen and, and kind of went through everything, got our packs packed up and, and ready. F got a few hours sleep and jumped in the truck early that morning and, and uh, finished the, I think it was another two and a half hours to where we kind of, the trailhead. So we parked the truck and when we parked the truck, it was 25 below. 
uh, Celsius. I'm not sure what that converts to Fahrenheit, but it was cold. So we, we in and out of the truck, keeping warm, getting our gear on and, and, uh, we headed in and we knew the outfitter, um, starts around the same time in there. So we started up the trail and there was no tracks in the snow and there was, you know, a foot to 18 inches, inches of fresh snow. So it was, it was a grueling hike the, in the previous two times I was in there, it took me right around four hours, maybe a little more than four hours to get, you know, right to the end of the drainage. And it took Cody and I about six and a half hours and we still didn't quite get to where I wanted to get. And we were, we were done. Like it was brutally cold and breaking trail and that much snow was just took it right out of you. Jeez. I did the conversion. It's, it's negative 13 Fahrenheit, by the way. So definitely very cold. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, yeah, yeah. It was, it was chilly. And, uh, you know, we had, I'd spent a lot of money on new gear, you know, to prepare for that temperature. And for the most part, you know, all the gear we, we had did, did quite well. Um, so we started setting up camp cause we just, that was it. We were, we were done. We called it a day and we could see a few sheep from, from where we were. So we got camp set up and as we're setting up camp, uh, one of the outfitters guide and his two, two clients uh, hiked by us. So we had, we just beat them by broke trail for them by you know, an hour or two. <laughs> and uh, the, then, well, we, we chatted with them, nice guys and, and uh, they carried on. They still had quite a ways to go because they had, they, they camped right at the top of the drainage. And uh, then the outfitter and another one of his guides, they had just finished setting up camp and they came by and uh, chatted with them a bit I've met the outfitter, you know, on committees and, and, and different uh, professional outfitter society meetings and stuff. And so we chatted a bit and then they headed out. So the next morning we got up and it was negative 32 overnight. And, Holy uh, crap. What are you doing to, I mean, uh, sleeping bag and tent and stuff like that, sleeping in that cold? Um, I bought a little hot tent. Um, it's a okay. company, a small company here built in Alberta, actually. Um, and a titanium stove set up. Um, and then we, for like a ground sheet, I, I brought a, just a sheet of Tyvek, like house wrap. Um, mm-hmm. That was kind of what we had on the ground and our, our sleeping pads and sleeping bags. And, and my wife bought me a, you know, a, a sleeping bag for a present and, I think it was a, it's a negative 15 or negative 20 sleeping bag. Um, so yeah, we slept in our clothes mostly um, in our bags, but, and it was quite comfortable with the little wood stove. The problem is that, you know, they're so small that, you know, the burn times are pretty, pretty short. Um, so what we ended up doing was, you know, we cut a ton of firewood, you know, we get in our, in the tent and our sleeping bags and we keep the fire going, you know, till we were ready to, to call it a night and we'd fill the stove as heavy as it or as full as we could get. And then we'd, whoever basically woke up shivering, you know, would start the fire. Um, yeah. And usually it's about five in the morning till, you know, we really, one of us would kind of get cold and, and, you know, kind of get up and get the fire going. So no, they, that's just that tent and stove system worked incredibly well. It's the first time I've used a, you know, a hot tent and, and, yeah, I was quite quite pressed. 
yeah that's that's been i've only ever done a couple haunts that you know that type of cold and and had a stove and it was just frustrating how often you got to refill that uh little titanium stove it was like you know every hour hour and a half it felt like you didn't sleep at all yeah yeah we thought we'd maybe stay up all night and take turns filling the stove but you know we just were too tired and just said heck with it and we'll we'll just get up when we get cold Mm. but uh the next day we got up and you know we're excited and had breakfast and and got our gear on which was you know chilly and and uh, stepped out of the tent and got set the spotter up and and where we had seen the sheep the night before we knew there was a few rams but we there was you know we've seen nothing on the hillside or in, in the where we had seen them the night before so we we glass for a bit and you can only sit still for so long in that kind of temperature and you got to get moving so we we threw our packs on and grabbed the scope and we headed up further up the drainage and uh actually found the 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 uh outfitters clients backpacks and their bows they had they had uh um abandoned ship with all their stuff you know the night before and and uh just went to camp without their packs and actually bumped into them a little bit later on when they came back down to get them they were just running out of energy so they they uh, left their their packs overnight and came back in the morning <laughs> but uh, um yeah we got to a little spot where we could see the one face and and there was a ram above us so we set up the spotting scope and he was you know obviously visibly short um but we knew there was two more rams with him but we couldn't see them and uh so we were watched them for a while hoping the other ones would you know kind of show themselves and uh then uh, the outfitter actually puts his camp in with helicopters and uh so mid-morning as we're glassing these, this ram helicopter come and flew right over top of us and the sheep and landed up at their camp and then you know must have been bringing supplies or something and then shortly after lifted off and, and came back over us and it pushed the ram up and over um the top of the the ridge he was on so we were uh had no visibility no visual on the sheep anymore so we the same thing it was so cold you just couldn't sit still so we we hiked up a little further so we could see some other country and, and then slowly made our way back to camp and that was kind of the day you know we you know we didn't really we knew there were sheep there but we didn't want to you know put a play on them and and bump them out when we didn't actually know where they were so yeah you guys i mean it being november and further north you have pretty short days right daylight yeah yeah very very short um daylight's around that you know 7 30 ish and you know you're dark by five o'clock so fairly short days and, and uh so we went back to camp and cut a whole pile of firewood and and you know glass the the rest of the afternoon didn't see much um all the lambs and ewes you could see there was tracks but you know i think the the outfitter putting his camp in with helicopters had pushed them pushed them out of the that basin and, and uh they weren't back yet so we uh the next day we we got up and same thing, same routine, kind of got up and, and, uh, Cody was, you know, getting ready and I got the spotter set up and 
and I just caught glimpse of a sheet coming up into view out of this one drainage and and I watched him actually rub his horns on a on a little spruce tree and got a pretty good look at him real heavy looked like an incredible sheep and then he dipped back down out of sight and I said Cody we got to go like this is I found a sheep so we threw our packs on grabbed the scope and we headed up and and uh got to where the the drainage they were in and decided which spine we were going to go up and and we it was we were just about waist deep snow in places um breaking trail and it took us about an hour to kind of get where we figured we were above the sheep and uh so he, he stayed in one spot and i continued up a little higher to kind of peek into this bowl and i was i was right on top of him three rams and uh so then i was going to go get cody and a lamb and a ewe came up like 30 yards from us so kind of pinned down and that lamb and you had zero cares about us she actually came and bedded 10 yards from me and this not a care in the world but we were probably 100 150 yards above three rams once the you kind of settled down cody came up to where i was and we we spent oh, most of the day the big ram that i had seen was an absolute giant of a ram but he was broomed on both sides to the point where he he'll die of old age before he ever made legal um in alberta there's no age you know you know you can't shoot him on age so it's completely based on on curl so he was i had him at nine years old and yeah he'd he'd likely die of old age and never never make the legal requirements and so then the next biggest ram in the group was very very close and we watched and watched and watched and and finally you know got the view we needed and and unfortunately it was uh wasn't legal so we we uh slipped off the mountain and that ate up most of the day and same thing the the there was just no sheep in the valleys the only the five sheep that we seen were were right there and we seen we found the group of lambs and ewes that I had seen scouting, but they had been pushed out of the backside of this drainage, and they were which is the next zone which we can't hunt. So that night we were sitting in the tent, and you know what do we do? Do we stay? Do we do we go try somewhere else? You know the plan was to wait till the next morning and uh, see what we see, and then make the call. Next morning, still very cold. I think it warmed up a bit, but still fairly chilly. We we glassed, and same thing, never seen any more sheep. We, I think we glassed till 10, 30, or 11 in the morning, and finally we made the call, let's let's bail out of here and go check this other spot out. So packed up camp and, and hiked out, and that was the uh, – it was just about dark time I got to the truck. Uh, we got a hotel room in the – the next little town that that uh, was close by and uh, kind of regrouped, dried our gear out. Next morning, uh, six o'clock, we were up and hiking into this next area. And it's about, uh, what would it be? About four miles to break the tree line is all in this area. Not super far, but, you know, pretty, pretty good elevation gain. And uh, it took us about, 
two and a half hours to from the truck to break tree line. And immediately when we broke tree line, there's sheep, right? And a ram. We're like, oh, this is awesome. So we're digging out the spotter and you know, we could tell it was just a, a young ram, but you know, we're seeing sheep and as we're digging out the spotter, this another ram comes over the 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 horizon and way above us set up the spotter oh yeah he's legal for sure you know we're and got just pumped so we and then more and more sheep just started appearing all over this this mountain so we're you know the excitement was high so we put everything away and we got out of sight and headed up this ridge and you know just excited as could be and get up to where we figured we could be you know a glassing point to look at this ram and and there's two hunters there so your heart kind of sinks you're like oh man and it turned out it was uh uh a uh, a guy and his father-in-law and he the 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 uh son-in-law had the had the uh draw the father-in-law was just uh there to to uh accompany him so you know we started talking to these guys they're they're big cattle ranchers from southern alberta and just great guys and uh so i'm like hey is that is that ram legal he's like oh yeah he's legal I'm like okay we thought so and i'm like you gonna you gonna put a play on him he's like oh we're just gonna watch him here he says i almost got a shot at him yesterday but you know you know buggered up the stock and you know and, and hunter etiquette and ethics it's you know they were there first so i'm not gonna go you know stalk this sheep out from under them so we we sat there and just chit-chatted and watched these rams and another ram came out of the trees and up to him pretty soon there's five rams in a group and they're and they're smashing heads and lip curling and oh it was just cool to watch finally they got to this spot where i'm like man somebody's got to go put a play on this ram and and the the fellow's like hey are you gonna you gonna go put a stock on him or what i'm like well you know you were here first i'm not gonna you know, he's like, no, man, you'll give it a whirl. I'm like, really? So, <laughs> all right. Uh-huh. So we, we kind of chit chatted a kind of a, a game plan of, you know, the best way to approach these sheep and they're kind of preoccupied, you know, feeding and, 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 but button heads. So I, I slipped in where we thought the best way to go was, and it just, it worked out perfect. And I got to this tree and they're just in front of me you know, preoccupied. You had me pegged, but um, didn't seem too concerned with that I was there. I ranged them at 50 yards. And to this day, I don't know why I didn't draw and shoot, but I figured I could get just a few yards closer to a little flatter spot where I'd, you know, be a little bit better ground to stand on to take a shot. And I got busted and they took off and they didn't go far. They only went a hundred yards and went back to defeating but they went to 100 yards into an unapproachable spot and and, oh i just thought i you know this is it i blew my only chance i'm gonna get like i met walked back with my head hung in shame and they're all like why didn't you shoot like my god you know i just it haunts you the the rest of the trip so we you know the the rest of that day we watched these rams and they fed up out of sight and we thought how late in the day if they're go watch and see where they go. So we kind of have a, an idea where they're at in the morning. And uh, so we did that and kind of watched them feed out of sight and, and kind of ate the day up and, 
and uh, we weren't sure if this spot would be any good. So we didn't bring the tent or anything. So we actually hiked back to the truck and uh, spent the night in town again. Next morning, um, we uh, hiked back in, but brought the tent this time and, and everything so we could you know, stay in there. Next morning, we, we uh, broke tree line and same thing. There's sheep all over. Like there's, there's, there's probably 50 or 60 lambs and ewes and, and lots of rams. And, and uh, so we uh, hiked up to the glassing spot and, and, but no, no rams were in sight. There was just some lambs and ewes and, and uh, pretty soon up over the top, of the the peak of the mountain came a group of sheep and a bunch of rams in it i'm like okay here we go and start glassing yeah same group from yesterday and all of a sudden they just scattered and ran straight down into the trees and gone we're like what in the world and pretty soon we could see the the fellow and his and his father-in-law they had put a stock on them and 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 got busted and, and blew them out so we're like well maybe that's it like you know they're gone but what we got to learn with these sheep is is you spook them they just get wiser but they don't leave anywhere else i've hunted sheep before you spook them and, and they're gone for three mountains and you know you're lucky if you see them again but these sheep yeah you just pick them up the next day or later that day you know in a different area of the mountain but it, they don't go far which is you know for a bow hunter pretty fortunate but yeah um, so yeah, we, we basically sat there all day and didn't see any more sheep. They basically all scattered down into the trees and, and, you know, there's no sense trying to go down in the timber with them. So we, we, uh, just hung out and, and glassed and seen a few lambs and ewes, but nothing, nothing, uh, worthy of, of checking out. So then we're setting up our tent that evening, just about, you know, probably a 45 minutes from, from dark and, and we're setting up the tent kind of tucked into the trees but right close to our glassing knoll and i turn around and I'm like cody don't move here 150 yards away is is uh five rams feeding like you gotta be kidding me so we get the spotter on yeah same group um legal ram in the bunch and so we kind of see where they're headed they're headed for a group of lambs and ewes so i kind of execute a a quick stalk and and you know in, to intercept them and it worked out perfect i kind of peek up over this little knoll and see the tops of their horns coming you know i was getting hand signals from cody you know he's telling me that's the second ram in the group and i see him coming and they're gonna cross in front of me at 50 yards so i have i'm full draw first ram comes out and he pegs me staring at me I'm thinking, oh, this is okay. As long as he just moves off and the, as the second ram comes into view, I'll, I'll get a shot. And no, they just turned and went straight up. Um, so I'm, again, I'm like, oh man, almost a second chance and, and blew it. And, and uh, so they went up, these rams went up and out of sight. And then we, they came back into view and they went to this all the lambs in use we thought well we know we're at they're at for morning we'll just leave them be and uh kind of put them to bed next morning get up 
before dark or before daylight and you know ready to go and got the spotter set up and ready for first light and sun comes up and there isn't a sheep to be seen and uh these sheep move at night a lot and so now we're back to the drawing board trying to figure out where these sheep are this is our last day of this trip and uh long story short we found the rams i went up and got as close as i could and i just ran out of cover to get any closer they were starting to head up to where that other hunter was so i just I figured oh, i'll sit tight and maybe he'll get a shot and he almost got a shot and then pushed him back down and um up to the peak of the mountain so I managed to drop way back down and go way around and kind of got into a place where I might be able to intercept them in a group of trees. And it almost worked out. They were about 80 yards kind of feeding my way and a group of hikers come up and pushed them down into the cliffs. So that was kind of the end of that first week. Um, went home, kind of my head hung and, and kind of, went back to the drawing board and regroup. And so I had to go back to work for a week. Um, my other brother-in-law clay was hoping to come join me on the second week. Um, but as his work worked out and been able to get away from the farm, he, uh, he couldn't come right away. So I went solo the second trip, um, for the first few days, um, hiked back in, decided I'm going to, you know, I know there was two, maybe three legal rams on that mountain. So I hiked back in, everything on my back, um, broke tree line, got up to the glassing knoll, and, you know, no sheep in sight, uh, no other hunters that I could see. And then I seen ravens on the side of the mountain. I'm like, oh, that's weird. So I set up the spotting scope, check out what these ravens are on, and they're on a, a dead sheep. And I immediately could you know, knew the ram that they were, that was laying there. And it was a, a, a ram that wasn't legal, but he's laying there dead. So put the spotter back in my pack and hiked up to the sheep. And, and it had been uh, shot by a, by a hunter in the chest. You could see where they had, it, the ram had tumbled down the, the side of the mountain a little bit. You could see where they had walked up to it, obviously checked it out figured oops made a mistake this is not a legal round and uh you can see they just bugged out Gosh. um so yeah my heart's like oh like just sank like just such a beautiful ram that had such incredible you know potential and he's laying there getting eaten by ravens so i was about to call fish and wildlife and i see another hunter start hiking up towards me so i figured well, i'll just wait and this older gentleman, you know, his mid sixties, um, walked up to me and he's, you know, we started chatting and it had already been reported, you know, three times, I think by, by him, another guy in the outfitter, um, had been laying there a couple of days. So I figured, well, if it's been reported, there's no sense in me reporting it. So, you know, we exchanged pleasantries and, and, you know, chit chatted really nice guy. And we kind of went on our way. And, uh, so I, spent the rest of the day up high and all the sheep with all the commotion in there from, from hunters were pushed into the cliffs and there was just 
no way to approach them where they were. So, you know, I just spent the day watching sheep and, uh, and the next that day hiked down and, and, uh, um, kind of to back up here, the, the fellows I had met the week prior, um, were back in there, but had, he had arrowed a sheep the day before I got there and couldn't, couldn't get to where it went. Um, so they had headed out to try and come up another drainage to try and get, get to this sheep. And they had a, uh, a camp, a tent set up already with a, you know, a little bigger tent with a little bigger stove and, and a, in a pretty good spot. And he's like, Hey, you know, if you want use our camp, we won't be back, you know, till the end of season to get it. So I'm like, yeah, sure. So I ended up using their, their camp for the remainder of that trip. Um, which was, which was nice that, you know, their stove was a little bit bigger, which, you know, burnt a little bit longer, a little bit more comfortable tent, you know, a little bit bigger. So the two of us in it weren't, weren't uh, too crammed. But uh, next day, still by myself, I hiked up, um, found a, got above a ram, 50 yards above him. You know, he didn't know I was there, um, but his left side was short. And he, the way he was bedded, I couldn't, for the life of me, get a look at his right side. Like I could, I was within shooting distance, but um, couldn't be sure if his right side was legal. Eventually, he got up and and fed out of sight into the cliffs where I couldn't see him, and never got a look at his right side. So I carried on. There was a group of sheep that had come out of the cliffs, was on a grassy face, and I got as close as I could into the timber and figured I'd just set up there for the day, um, set the spotter up, made a little cubby in the spruce trees where I was kind of protected from the wind and, uh, was, had been, been there a couple hours and was made some soup for lunch. And lo and behold, all of a sudden the sheep are feeding right towards me and I'm like, Oh, this might work out. And there, the one ram in the group was one of the legal rams and, uh, it just worked out that they came right to me and by the, the way they looked, they were going to go, they were going to feed out of bow range from me. So I got out of my little cubby where I was completely concealed and was kind of on the side of the face of the mountain laying in the snow. And they came right to me. Like had I not moved, I would have been in the perfect, you know, ambush scenario but here i am laying in the wide open on the side of the snow or on the side of the mountain and uh got busted um at 35 yards so they're all standing there looking at me and i figured well i gotta try so i kind of drew my bow laying on my side and as i kind of sat up in a shooting position you know they all took off so there i am again you know, thinking, okay, now I've been given three opportunities and, and blew it again. And never going to get another chance. You know, you're, you're down in the dumps. So I spent the rest of that day um, watching sheep in the cliffs and just, you know, trying to figure out where the, the next day game plan was. Um, the next day, my brother-in-law, Clay, came. Um, he hiked in. We kind of met up half you know up above tree line dug a little hole in the snow and got rid of all the the stuff we didn't need for the day and, 
and uh, all the food and, and his stuff that you know we didn't need to pack around the mountain for nothing, and that we'd pick up on, at the end of the day. And same thing, we we watched sheep all day. Just they were just in an unapproachable country and terrain. Like there's just no way we could get to them. Um, next day, the wind started. We were had 60 mile an hour winds like just about blow you off the mountain um same thing we were finding sheep but they were just no way to approach them um and you just couldn't stay out in the wind for very long and it just would uh chill you to the bone so you're you're we're constantly trying to find cover and places to glass that you know you're somewhat protected but just seemed like there's nowhere to nowhere to hide from this wind um so we, we did our best that day in the wind and uh, the next day we headed out, the wind was worse. Um, so we glassed for a bit in the morning and, and just, we just couldn't stay up there any longer and didn't feel there was much point. Like the sheep, there was not a sheep to be seen. They were all in the cliffs or in the timber. So we spent most of the day in the tent and the, the weather kind of broke um, that afternoon and we got out and uh, looked around and, and didn't see much. And so the next day, um, I think it was Saturday. Yeah, it would have been Saturday. We, uh, got out again and there's a big, heavy, another big, heavy broom ram on that mountain. Same thing that he's the biggest sheep on the mountain, but broom way too heavy on both sides to ever be legal um I see this ram every day he's uh must obviously know he's safe because he, he was not all concerned about us um, with his use but we caught a glimpse of another mature ram with him and as they kind of fed out of sight so we made this big long play to get around and time we get there you know we we lose sight of we can't find this ram we can't pick up this ram um so we watched all day hoping they'd come back out and and never seen him again bumped into the older gentleman and a friend of his that were also there with the the draw and they had seen him too and same thing didn't get a look to see if he's legal so we we hiked back camp so the next day we were up early up over the top and as we break over the top of the mountain there's the broomed ram and there's that other mature ram. So we get the spotter set up and we can see these other hunters coming up and, you know, they obviously see them as well. And it looks like they're starting to put a, you know, a stock together. So we just sat behind the scope and, and got some real good looks at this ram and, and he just wasn't, he wasn't there. So we figured, well, there's no sense in us and them, you know, watching the same sheep. Let's get out of here. So we packed up, got off the peak. So then we got up to the, the I mean, this little saddle, and it's kind of where the, the sheep are over the edge into these cliffs. And we start just slowly peeking over where we, we know they hang out. And first spot, there's no sheep. Second spot, we look over, and bam, there's a ram. And he's got a lamb and a ewe with him. And so we kind of back up, drop our packs, and it 
he's only a hundred yards away. So there's, there was no need for the spotting scope. So we just would slowly peek. So just our heads were over the edge and use our binoculars. And he was running this U just ragged in the cliffs below us, but he was in a spot. There was just no way to get close enough for a shot. So we figured, well, let's just watch him and see what he does. We kind of set up camp for the day and, watched him and he'd run that you and then they'd bed down and he'd run her you know out of sight and and then they'd come back and bed down but the the lamb was always in sight either feeding or bedded so we figured well there if it, he does push her out of sight he they should come come back to where this lamb was and that turned out to be true and then finally they bedded down and the snow started and it was cold. Like we were having to, you know, we'd watch the sheep for five minutes and then we'd, we'd do push-ups and sprints and, and jumping jacks, you know, to, to keep the blood flowing. Cause we were just freezing to death. We had every bit of clothing we had on. And uh, so every five or 10 minutes, one of us would kind of poke over the edge and, and see what they're doing. And at one point I, in the snowstorm, I, I looked over, and they were gone, all of them. I'm like, and I panic set in, like, where did they go? And I almost stood up and exposed myself and got my binoculars out. And they were, it was snowing so hard that the sheep were just blown over in snow. They were still right where they were, but just, I couldn't see them because they were covered in snow. So we were, we had a little bit of lunch and, you know, kind of set up and made a little cubby with our packs so our jet boils wouldn't blow out in the wind, made some lunch and, and uh, you know, Clay said a little prayer saying, you know, hopefully if, if, you know, this is meant to work out that, you know, I'm safe, you know, putting a stock on and the, and the sheep dies quick. And, and uh, so we put our, our stuff away from lunch and, and uh, peeked over the edge and he had moved up following the U to a spot where I could put a stock on him. So we kind of hummed and hawed and he's like, it's now or never the, it's snowing so hard and it's blowing so hard that, that you should be able to just slip right in there. I figured it would take me probably five or 10 minutes to get, you know, to our shooting spot. And it, it took me less than two minutes and I was right on top of him. And uh, so I knocked an arrow I, it was so cold. I still had my heavy gloves on, had a balaclava on. I practiced shooting, you know, with all my gear on, but this was a bit excessive. And uh, so I had an arrow knocked, release was on. I didn't have, I had my release hand. I didn't have a glove on, but rather my bow hand I did. And I snuck up to this rock and I kind of peeked around it and maybe less than 10 yards, the U was looking at me. I'm like, oh crap. So I drew my bow and I had to, at full draw, push my balaclava kind of under my chin so I could get, you know, the string anchored properly. So I'm at full draw anchored and I peek around the right side of the rock and I see the, the butt of the ram and he's starting to move left following the U. So I stood up. So, you know, fully exposed myself just to see the U kind of drop out of sight and the ram starting to follow her. And I, and at this point, I'm it, thinking 10 or 12 yards. It turned out to be eight yards. Um, fairly steep, steep downhill shot, you know, like a 40 degree, 45 degree angle down. 
and he's just about to follow her. So I settled my pin kind of between his shoulder blades, kind of behind his one shoulder, thinking it would, you know, go in beside his spine and, and you know, come out his chest and released and uh, hear the arrow that, that telltale smack of that arrow hitting home. But it was snowing so hard. I, I never did see where the arrow hit. So the sheep start running into the cliffs where I hope they wouldn't go. I'm getting another arrow out and he's just about on the edge of this cliff where, where he's going to go out of sight and you can see him starting to wobble. I'm thinking, okay, he's hit good. So I looked down, knocked, put my release on my D loop and I looked up and he's gone. My heart sank. So I'm looking up at clay, like can trying to see if he's seen anything more than I can. Finally, he stood, stands up and kind of throws his hands in the air. He doesn't know. So he, he makes his way down to me. And I'm like, I hit him. I know I hit him hard. Like he just looks like he was going down. He's like, yeah, I looked like he was going to fall over just as he went out of sight. So I followed his tracks and I got, I could get within 50 feet of where we lost sight of him. And you could see where he kind of drug his hind legs around the corner and into these cliffs. But I lost my nerve no matter how, what angle I tried. It's between six and 900 feet straight down like it's you, you you don't survive it if you if you slip so we kind of regroup back to where i shot from and then it's on its little pinnacle so we we dropped over the the opposite side come down we picked up where the 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 you and the lamb had came out in it, it by this time there's probably two inches of snow in the tracks already so I followed the, the tracks across this rock face, swiping snow out of them to see if I can find blood. Found no blood. It didn't look like the, a ram track with them. It looked like just the lamb and a ewe. So again, I come back to where uh, the ewes, the ewe and the lamb had come out of this little point. And same thing, I, I just couldn't get, I could get within 50 feet of where he was around the corner or where I thought he was. And I got cliffed out. Like I just, there's just no safe way to approach him. So back all the way back up to where we, we had originally glassed him from all day. And then I made my way down. There's another spine that went down adjacent to this one. I figured I could probably get down it between the trees to where I could see across and at least get visual confirmation that this sheep is laying there. Like I suspect he is. And I do that and it was pretty sketchy and I uh, got across and yeah, I could see him laying there. So then I'm pumped up again, you know, emotional roller coaster. Like it just, you know, all that work, all those miles, you know, you got a sheep down, but you can't get to him. So I figured, I looked at this again. I'm like, okay, I think I can get over there. So I tried another different line and same thing. I'm like, clinging to these rocks you know six inches from you know your death straight fall and clay's yelling at me you know don't be stupid get out of there so we we uh regroup get back to where our packs were i'm like there's just we're running out of daylight like what do we do he's like we need rope and you know maybe we could get down there if we had rope but we don't have any rope with us. We you know, we have some paracord and stuff, but nothing that 
you need to rappel down to a sheep with. Um, so we made the plan to head out to the truck and get to town, get some rope and, you know, regroup, come back the next day. Um, and to kind of back up here, the, that ram that got, that was illegally killed. Um, I, I was under the understanding from the other hunters that fish and wildlife were going to come and, uh, you know, kind of do an investigation and, and take the sheep out. Um, the day before this ram had been completely snowed over. If you didn't know he was there, you'd never find him. So I, I, uh, texted, uh, the fish and wildlife officer who, uh, a local fish and wildlife officer from home here, give him the story and said, Hey, can I, can I take this ram home? Like, do I, have, can I get a permit? And he got back to me. He's like, yeah, I give you permission to, to uh, pack that sheep off and, and I'll give you a permit when you get home. So Clay and I hiked that ram, dug him out of the snow. Um, we tried to cut the ram's chest open to, you know, get the broadhead half of the arrow out that was broke off inside of him, you know, to see if they could use it for their investigation, but couldn't get it out. It was just too frozen. So we ended up cutting just its head off and, and, and uh, throwing it on the pack and went to camp, got all our gear and headed to the truck. Um, got to the truck and got to town in time. We bought a, a sleigh and a whole bunch of rope and, and uh, grabbed a hotel room and we're having supper and I'm texting with my wife and, and Clay and I are talking and, and eventually my wife and Clay are both like, it's just not, it's not worth it. It's not worth the risk to try and do this ourselves. We need, we need help. Um, and kind of to back up here, this, the fellow that whose camp we stayed in, um, who had arrowed a sheep the day before I got there, his ram fell into an ungodly spot. He actually had to hire a helicopter to get visual confirmation of where the sheep was laying in order for these mountain climbers that he had found to go after, go get it for him. Um, so because they, they wouldn't go in blind. So he had hired these, these guys after talking to, I don't know how many people, mountain climbers that would just refuse straight up refuse to even attempt to go where the sheep had died. And, uh, he had found these guys and they had to free climb like a 600 foot sheer rock face to get up to this ram and lower it down to him. So as we're eating supper, I'm texting him and, you know, I'm like, Hey, could you give me the number to these guys you used? And, and uh, finally came to the conclusion that, you know, I'm going to see if these guys can come help. So I was texting the one fellow, Jacob, and uh, he's like, yeah, we could, I sent him a pin where the sheep was and some pictures. And he's like, yeah, definitely. We can, we can help you out. Um, but I can't come tomorrow. It'll have to be the next day. So I made the decision to hire these guys, you know, wasn't cheap, but neither is, is, is dying on the side of a mountain. So um, we clay had to leave the next day. So we stayed in town. Um, the next day we went and drove uh, the highway that cuts the zone kind of in half. Um, there's a bunch of mines along the road and, and there's just hundreds of sheep in along the highway so we we took our time that morning and and went and 
stopped in these mine sites and glassed some incredible rams and watched some, you know, some cool rutting activity. And uh, so then I dropped him off at his truck that was still at the trailhead. And he headed home. I went back to town and, and got a hotel room again and uh, got the sleigh ready to go in. And and because uh, the plan was to put the sheep in the sleigh. So we, uh, that day kind of, I just bummed around the hotel room, basically got all my gear ready and, and, uh, I, I drove my wife nuts. You know, my brain is, is playing tricks on me. Did I actually see this Ram? Is he actually laying there dead or did I, was it a rock I seen? And, you know, is he, is he legal? Did I screw up? Um, and, you know, I drove my wife and my brother-in-law crazy. They're, you know, of course, second guessing all these things. And, uh, anyway, the next day we, I met the climbers at the trailhead. Um, it was again, 30 below 32 below. It was incredibly cold. And, uh, these guys, you could tell they were, these guys were built to be in the mountains. You know, I'm, I'm in pretty good shape and, and was quite, pleased with my performance in the mountain but you could tell these guys were going to leave me in the dust and uh so i said you know don't wait for me you know if you guys want to just go go they kind of knew where they were headed but it was so cold that we had to take the pace so slow so we didn't sweat that i kept up with them the whole way so we got up there and i pointed where i figured the ram was and they said yeah just wait here don't come down till we call you we don't want you disturbing any rocks or any any snow uh we'll kind of go down and assess it you know see where he's at and make a game plan so they dropped in and uh yeah these guys walked right out there like where i wouldn't go they walked out there with no no ropes no nothing they they they're just so comfortable in in on those types of rock faces that you know six inches and or one slip you're gone and you know, it just doesn't even phase him a bit. So they got down there and hollered, yeah, he's here, and and kind of got set up to pull him up. And uh, once they had their ropes all rigged up and they had the ram in the sleigh um, tied in, they called me down to kind of the first pull point, and you know, that was about as far as I was comfortable going down into that onto that ledge. And uh, one of them was down pushing on the sheep in the sleigh, and me and the other fellow were up top, and and we pulled him up and got him to the first flat spot up out of the cliff, the first cliff. And they asked, they're like, do you think you could, you know, butcher him here? Like make him a little bit lighter. And I said, I can, but it's, I said, I can't take my hands on my gloves for more than 10 seconds. And it is so cold. It's going to take me probably an hour or two to break him down. And I said, I'm, I'll be froze to death. I said, we're probably, I said, in my opinion, we're better off to just leave them whole and, you know, grind it out and get them up whole. And they, they agreed. They said, yeah, that's your, that's probably a wise choice. So we, we grounded out. It was, it, in all actuality, it was probably only about 300 meters that we had to drag him to the, get him to the top. But it took us two or three hours and we were all, very sweaty and, and very tired by the time we got him to the top. And then by this time we're, you know, early to mid afternoon, only a few hours of daylight left. Their company policy is these guys don't, they don't 
work after dark. So they said, we'll see how far we can. And the plan to kind of back up the plan was to leave the sheep whole and drag him the, you know, five, six miles to the truck hole in the sleigh. And uh, so with these guys talking about having to leave the sheep halfway out, I, I wanted to take him out of the sleigh and get pictures of him there, but it was just too cold. We were running out of time. So I said, yeah, let's go. So we, and it was, it was a lot of work and these guys were just unbelievable. They're like mountain goats. Um, we got him off the, out of the Alpine into the trees and into the truck hole. And it was, it was a long day and it was, you know, we got to the truck just at dark and, and uh, it was, an unbelievable experience wasn't how I wanted it to end, but it was, it was a cool experience nonetheless. It's quite the story. Yeah. What an adventure, <laughs> man. Well, holy crap. Yeah. So we, then I threw the sheep in the truck and, and drove the five hours home and couldn't have been more excited. And, 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 uh, you know, that I, I, I got it done, but at the same time, as much as the, the money having to to hire these gentlemen to come help me is wasn't in the in the cards it was sure added to the to the whole experience and the, and the stories i'll get to tell forever oh. what were your expectations versus reality this is a hunt you've been you know it's taking you 15 years to draw you knew it was going to be in this zone you're somewhat familiar with the country you know the time of year weather factor etc but the challenges of it, the highs and lows, the encounters, locating sheep, dealing with the weather, recovery, like, yeah, I'm just curious, like, how much of it was, I don't say similar to what you expected, but like, what, wh- how was this experience different from maybe what you anticipated? Was it much harder than you even anticipated? It was, yes, yeah, so it was definitely a lot harder. The, the terrain you know, wasn't, you know, that maybe the, the hardest train I've ever hunted for sheep, but add the, the cold and the snow, it was probably the most physically demanding, um, sheep hunt I'd been on just, just because of, you know, the, the added challenge of snow and all the drifts, you know, and, um, the brutally cold temperatures and the wind, I was prepared for it. I knew what it was going to be like, but, it yeah it tested you my expectations going in and i told this to my wife too and i said whatever happens i want to be physically ready my expectation is that whether i kill a sheep or not that i didn't quit i put every i left everything on the mountain physically mentally like that i could go home knowing i spent that much that many years to draw the tag that I could be proud of myself that I didn't give up and I put every ounce of effort into it. That, that was my goal going in. Sheep hunting is a tough thing. It, I've been on a lot of unsuccessful sheep hunts with a rifle, let alone with the bow. It was so I didn't want to set that expectation for myself that, you know, I have to kill a sheep and I didn't want to set that expectation one, because, you know, you, can get let yourself down and two i didn't want to have the first sheep in front of me and and just shoot it just because 
you know, you know, I drew this tag. I got to kill a sheep. I wanted to kill a sheep um, that was legal and it was meaningful, not not just kill to kill, so to speak. Um, and then, you know, you get a lot of guys that draw the tag and, oh, they want to kill this size of sheep and, you know, they'll pass up this ram and that ram. Ultimately, I said, if it's a legal representation, it, it makes the legal requirements and it's within bow range, I'll likely shoot. If I didn't want to shoot a ram that, you know, like a squeaker ram that just barely made it, um, this ram, you know, was a little better than a squeaker. He's probably, he's three quarters, just shy of an inch past the legal requirements on his long side. He's broomed on his right side, or sorry, his left side. And he's long on his right. Um, so ultimately, I guess to answer your question, I, I was mentally and physically prepared, but it still wore me down. It's still, you know, there was... I think in the the one windy day where we were just getting blown off the mountain, only had two days left to hunt. I was like, is this even worth it? Like, and my brother-in-law Clay's like, you know, he's like, I hear that come out of your mouth again. I'm going to slap you. Like, he's like, we're not leaving till we're, till we're, till we're done. Like, you know, so that kind of brought me back to reality and, and yeah, you're right. You know, I'm, I'm not quitting. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to entertain that again, you know, but every once in a while on, on those hunts, man, it, that you get that worn down physically and mentally it you know it can break you and, and fortunately i you know he was there to you know make sure i didn't quit and i don't think i would have but you know the thoughts started floating around my mind man i don't want to i don't want to keep you on the phone all day but let's wrap up with like something imagine some guys listen to this or wanting some very practical like man what did he learn from spending so much time in that terrain in those conditions you talked or mentioned about gear and all that stuff so anything practical whether it was it was gear whether it was a technique something you found that helped you stay warm except like it could be related to shooting your bow in the cold like i know super broad but any of that kind of practical tactical gear stuff lessons learned from kind of the the conditions uh the biggest thing from it all was the ability to stay warm you know um i brought goggles like ski goggles knowing it would be super windy and that would help you know being able to see in the wind and keep your face warm um i think the the best piece of gear that i bought was a puffy jacket um man that thing was unbelievable it was you know you're always taking clothes on and off, you know, layering as you're, as you're going. And that, you know, once we kind of got to glassing spots, I'd put that puffy jacket on and it was, it was just phenomenal how, how good it was at keeping the wind out and, and how warm it kept you. Um, footwear was tough. You know, you can't wear a big bulky, heavy winter boot. And, you know, so I, I stuck with my regular hiking boot. I listened to all kinds of podcasts and, and you guys have a ton of information of, you know, late season hunting and, you know, tricks and tips. And I listened to everything I could find. And, and so I stuck with my regular boot it has a, a little bit of insulation, but insulate, but not lots. I, I forget how many grams they are. Um, and then a, a good heavy, 
uh, wicking sock. And one trick, I'm not sure if I heard it on your guys' podcast or whose, but my feet sweat a lot. So I heard on this, you know, on a podcast to use antiperspirant on your feet. And that actually worked really well for me. Um, kept my feet from sweating and, you know, did help with the keeping warm. But ultimately, it didn't matter what I did in 32 below. I just couldn't keep my feet warm. So you're constantly moving and, you know, you just got used to your feet being numb. It was just, you, they were so cold that, you know, you kind of lost feeling in your toes for, you know, half the day till you, you know, hiked enough to keep them warm. But um, outside of that, you know, there wasn't really a lot as far as gear goes I that I changed. I shot my bow a ton. I, I you know, put a new set rest and quiver on it and i'm a fixed broad broadhead kind of guy but i knew i was going to be shooting in maybe some windy conditions so i actually was shooting uh, uh mechanical broadheads for this hunt um, just i shot better and i thought at longer distances and i just thought you know in the windier conditions that those they just might stick to their flight path a little better if it was a little windier um but it's just really hard to simulate um uphill and downhill angles you know at home you know i shot off my deck and and you know as much angle as i could but you just can't simulate some of the conditions so i say just you know practice train and just mentally prepare to for the suck i guess because it's it's not fun and but you know, my wife asked me when I got home, she's like, so is, is that it? I'm like, I go back tomorrow. Like, it just gets in your bones. It just, she's like, you're crazy. And like, man, I, if somebody else had the tag, I'd be back with them tomorrow. Like, it just, um, yeah, I just, just loved it. So, yeah, it takes a couple of days to, for the, for the, the suck to wear off and the, like, the, how hard it was to kind of go out of your mind, but then, didn't take long and I was ready to go again. Well, man, that's a, that's a great story and amazing hunt. That's honestly just like hard to recap and put into words, but thanks for sharing it with us and sharing the story for all the podcast listeners. I'll, uh, I'll leave links in the description of guys, um, you know, kind of just touched on it briefly, but you do fishing trips and moose hunts and things like that in Alberta. So, uh, you know, maybe some listeners are out there be interested in that and I'll leave links in the show description, but anything else you want to leave us with? No, no, I just uh, love your guys' content and your podcast. And, and uh, honestly, the the one piece of gear that I will be replacing is a new pack. So hopefully I can, and I've met a few guys that were running your guys' packs, and, and uh, that will be be uh, in my gear, gear list here for the next one. Well, we can certainly talk about that. <laughs> yeah, make that happen let's for you. Let's do that. <laughs> Well, what an amazing hunt. Congrats again to Nick. What a story. It makes me excited, man, just to get out there and have some more adventure. And as we've often talked about, that comes with difficulty, but that's also what makes things so special is to get out there and challenge yourself and really put yourself in a wild place, deal with the conditions to face your limitations and much more. 
I hope you guys get some opportunities to do that for yourself this year. If you do, let us know how it goes. Send an email to podcast at xamountgear.com. Or if you have questions for the show, something you want to hear about, a topic suggestion, or anything like that, reach out as well. We'd love to hear from you. Finally, if you haven't yet, hit the subscribe or follow button in your podcast app so that you receive future episodes automatically, as always, for free, and we'll talk to you soon.